This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at uctv.tv slash careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and those in career transition bridge to better employment. Technology is changing the rules of the game in extraordinary ways. From everything to how long you have to be in a hospital if you're having major surgery or you're having a baby, to whether or not you even need to go and see your doctor anymore because you can talk to him on your cell phone. Or if you're my age and you have health problems, you can have little metal chips embedded in your shoulder or your neck and... Uh, the medical office can keep track of what's happening to you, send you a message saying, Mary, did you take your blood pressure medicine today? I noticed your heart pressure's way up. I mean, that's a whole different kind of medical care than the kids I grew up with who went to medical school and saw patients in doctor's offices every eight minutes, which is, you know, they're all on a rush to get you through. So technology is changing everything. How, how we sell things, right? How we retail things. I mean, this fellowship is built on the success of an extraordinary family in the retail industry. Look what Amazon is doing to retail. Look what the web is doing to retail. And so you've got to be alert to the various ways in which technology is transforming everyday kinds of activities. But there are two other things that are really important, and it's reflected in the faces in this class, in this group. Uh, and, and, and that is the demographic changes, the worldwide movement of peoples, and the different cultural values and characteristics people bring to the communities they live in. My parents were from Sweden and emigrated to this country as adults. And when I was a girl, we would go to Sweden in the summers Trust me, there was nothing in Sweden but white Lutherans. And I grew up in California. I actually grew up in Palm Springs around the movie business. So I grew up in a very diverse community in the 1940s and 50s. Today you go to Sweden. I teach in Stockholm at the Stockholm School of Economics. The face of the kids in my classroom are your faces. They're kids from Eastern Europe. They're kids from Sub-Saharan Africa. They're kids from India. They're kids from China, from the United States, and Norway, Denmark, and Sweden. But it's all very diverse. Now, why is that important to you? Well, people carry their values and their heritage with them, even though they may share uh, a common geography. Uh, And think about something like health care. If some of you are interested in going to health care, uh, I'm going to make a joke and I'm going to embarrass myself in front of Robert Price, but I'm a nice Swedish girl who married a nice Jewish boy. And it was so interesting how my husband and I approached problems of health very differently. In my Swedish heritage, you have to be nearly dead before you go to talk to a doctor, right? My dad would say, what do you mean you need to stay home from school? Get up. You just have a stomachache. And I'd go to school with my stomachache. And guess what? I'd get through it. My husband's mother, who I adored, if he said something at the breakfast table like, 
oh, I'm not feeling so good today. She said, quick, we'll take you to the emergency room and check what's going on. I'm kind of making a joke about cultural differences, but think about things like breast cancer or cervical cancer or prostate cancer that deal with very private issues. And you're a Muslim or you're a Jew or you're a Lutheran or you're a Catholic. You're from Africa or you're from Norway or you're from the Middle East. As a patient, right, if you're a doctor or a nurse dealing with a patient with those kinds of issues, you need cultural understanding. You need to understand how religion and values and traditions about family and about gender and about how you deal with health issues affects what you do. So that was not an issue when I was a girl and kids went to medical school. They didn't think about those things. But because of these constant demographic shifts, how we deliver health care, how we market products, what foods people are, are going to buy. I mean, one of, the, one of the headlines in the New York Times, and this is over 25 years ago, was uh, the weak salsa sales outpaced ketchup sales. Now, you all grew up with salsa, but you got to remember, when I was a kid, ketchup was what you put on your food. It wasn't salsa. But because of the shift in the Latino but also Asian uh, population in America, uh, spicy foods and spicy products became more important in retail. So technology is changing things, but what we sociologists call demography, which is how population shifts, the, the characteristics of populations, young, old, male, female, black, white, uh, different ethnic heritages, all of those things are going to affect the jobs and the work of the future. And, and then the, the final thing is, is globalization, that again, uh, when I was young, and even when many of your parents were young, most of us thought in terms of local markets, right? Oh, United States, we can sell cars in the United States, we can sell clothes in the United States, everything's about, we've got a nice big market. But the reality is, with the rise in competitiveness of countries around the world, and particularly in Asia and Latin America, you know, you can't assume that just because you're in the United States, we're going to dominate moving forward. And so one has to think about and know global trends and global issues. Do any of you watch television? Does anybody watch television anymore? I mean, my kids don't, but okay. But if you watch the evening news, you always see the ads for Geritol, right? All the aging things. Oh, you have a heart problem. You have hemorrhoids. You have this. You know, they're, they're advertising to the general public. Because in the United States, uh, the, the purchase of drugs and the prescribing of drugs is highly individualized, Right. So if you decide or your parents or uh, your grandparents decide, I want to try that drug, the doctor will write a prescription. It's very different in Sweden, where I come from. It's actually the healthcare system that decides what drugs will be available. And they, they purchase, you know, certain kinds of... Uh, of um, heart treatments or certain kinds of diabetes drugs, not just one, 
but a range. So if you're in the business of marketing drugs or uh, in the United States, you do it in a very different way than you do it in Sweden. And so say you end up working in a pharmaceutical company, right? And you want to do global marketing. Well, you're going to have to understand how in the Swedish context products are purchased and distributed distributed versus the United States. My Swedish family comes over here. They can't believe all the ads. They think that American people are just sick all the time. And I have to explain, no, 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 we're not that much sicker than you are. But the way in which we choose the products to make us feel better is very, very different. So part of what I'm trying to give you a sense of is that, that because of these trends, the character of any work you do it's going to be different than what your parents did or what my parents did or what I did. And also uh, the kinds of customers, the kinds of products you're going to be dealing with are going to be very different. And because things change so damn fast, incredibly fast, uh, tech, you have to always adapt in terms of technologies that are in fashion Industries come and go. I don't know how many of you have heard of the Fortune 500, which are the top 500 companies. Over half of the companies on that list didn't exist 25 years ago. 25 years. I'm going to be 75. That means in my lifetime, twice that list has turned over. So nothing certain. That's the fun part now, see. Now, here are some trends that I think might be interesting that Josh helped me find uh, that I think are important for you to consider. Already today, 53 million Americans are doing freelance work. That's their job, 34% of the entire workplace. So down the street from me... Uh, my son is 40, and, and my daughter-in-law is 33, and they have very good friends down the street, uh, a married couple with an 8-year-old, and she used to do marketing in Minnesota. She met a guy from California. They fell in love, moved here, and they now live in our town, but her company convinced her because she does marketing, right, on the web, to continue to work for them from California. So she's employed by a company in Minnesota. But up the street from us is a man who has his home-based accounting business. He provides accounting services to athletes. And so he does it all as a home-based business. Do you see what I'm... He didn't have to join a big accounting firm. Because he was an athlete himself, he was, in, he was able to uh, get their trust, he has his accounting degree, he has a college degree, really understands tax law and other things, but he can have a home-based business. So freelance work isn't code for, oh, you can't get a job, you're not good enough to get a job. Freelance work is often... You're so smart and independent, you don't want to work for anybody else. You can build your own market, your own client base, provide your own services, and, and you, you become, I'm Mary Walshock Incorporated. You become your own boss, your own employer. 
Another um, thing that is interesting, and it relates to this, that Josh found in the data, is among millennials, the younger uh, generation, I, uh, the 53 million is among all Americans. So that includes older adults as well as young adults. But among this youngest generation of Americans, 35% have started their own businesses. Now, to think that, oh, to start a business is terribly expensive and terribly difficult and terribly complicated may be an oversimplification. I'm remembering someone, uh, Robert may remember, uh, from our history, this wonderful woman in San Diego by the name of Susie Spafford. She's my age. She went to San Diego State University, and she was an art major. And I got to tell you, it's not my kind of art, but boy, she made millions of dollars. She paints these little comical uh, yellow ducks. They're called Susie's Zoo. And some of you have seen them because they're in Hallmark shops. You go to China, you see Susie's Zoo. You go to Stockholm, where my parents come from, you see Susie's Zoo. And they're, and they're darling. They're cute little ducks. Have a nice day. Or it's Easter time. You know, so da, da. I mean, they're real. It's cute. And she, and she started by selling her little, uh, basically cards, greeting cards, on Sundays in Balboa Park at, at different uh, art shows and trade shows. But what somebody introduced her to, and you should know about this, by the way, because it's true in all industries, they introduced her to international craft trade shows, okay? So you can go to L.A. and sign up a couple times a year and have a booth and market your your craft or your art or if you're a tech guy, right, your technology. It happens in technology. It happens in all arenas. And if uh, a chain like Hallmark, think cards, Hallmark stores, likes your stuff, they will say, I want to order it for 10 of my stores or 15 of my stores. And this is exactly what happened to Susie. Now, Susie's working in a garage with a couple of friends making these things for fun. And now she's got orders from dozens of Hallmark stores. And she suddenly has to go in and build a business. But today, it grew over time. It's a multi-million dollar business. And so I like using that example because most people think, oh, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you've got to be a Steve Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, you've got to create a Google. But Susie's created a lot of wealth, a lot of jobs, and she's been very philanthropic. So when we say that 35% of millennials have started their own businesses, think about my friend up the street who's providing accounting services to athletes and to Susie's Zoo. Don't just think Mark Zuckerberg, okay? You can start a business if that's what you want to do. But if you're going to start a business, there's a lot of stuff you need to know and a lot you need to know about markets and about distribution networks and that sort of thing as you move forward. Um, The other thing uh, that we know 
among the young population, 91% of millennials expect to stay in a job for less than three years. So there's a lot of mobility. I want to describe to you, and you may want to meet him as a part of of this experience because he now lives in San Diego. A young man, Neil Bloom, who graduated from UCSD in engineering. Uh, no, not even in engineering, political science, I think. And Neil helped start a, a, a software company called Portfolium and now has a company called Hired. And it's an online employment uh, service. And the um, focus is on people with programming and technical skills. So say half the people in this room have studied computer science or can do computer graphics, but you have a really good technical skill. And they uh, qualify you and put you in their database, but their customers are Amazon, Google, all the big companies, right, that are looking for talent. Having a computer science degree or a technical degree or a degree in digital media arts, say, is fine, but that's not enough. They ask you about things. Have you traveled abroad? Have you done volunteer services? Do you speak other languages? Did you grow up in a multicultural home? How many jobs have you had? And the, the more you have in that variation, in other words, you're a better candidate, Neil tells me, for a Google or an Amazon if you've had three or four jobs, you've traveled to four or five countries, you speak at least two languages, You've grown up in a diverse home or diverse community. Now, why would these engineering communities care about that? Change. People who are comfortable with change, with diversity, who can move from place to place. Because the one thing we know in technology companies is they're always changing. They're changing their platforms. They're changing their markets. So they don't want people who come in and say, I'm a computer science major, and I was a straight-A student in high school, and all my teachers really loved me, and my parents told me I was beautiful and smart, and I've done everything right, and I played by all the rules, and I will play by the rules. And then they'll say, yeah, but there are no rules here. So how do you play if there are no rules? You got to figure it out. Oh, you went to the rainforest by yourself and you figured out, you know, you, or you went mountain climbing or you skydive. Probably you're a person who can handle uncertainty. And uncertainty is a high value here. So, all I'm trying to share with you with these examples is yeah, you got to know stuff, you got to be reasonably smart. Sure, you've got to be a computer scientist. You've got to be an engineer. But boy, if you're these other things, the world is your your oyster. And the most in-demand jobs are in areas like computer applications. 
but computer applications in the environment, computer applications in healthcare, computer applications in transportation, computer applications in retail, computer applications, do you see what I'm getting at? Computers are eating the world, if you will, computer science, in almost every uh, aspect of life. If you can do programming and you can do data analytics, uh, you're going to be well situated. But I thought I'd talk a little bit about healthcare because there's so many different ways one can enter uh, a particular industry sector. You know, when people hear healthcare, they immediately think, oh, doctors, nurses, right? Oh, there's going to be a demand for doctors or nurses. But actually, the needs that are being created by the aging of the American population, uh, particularly my my generation, are really complex and multi-layered. Um, for example, one of the fastest growing areas is physical therapy um, because of the need not just for uh, therapists on, because people have profound injuries, but... Uh, gyms and 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 centers where people can go in and work with a professional, right, on uh, their uh, body strengthening. And uh, I mean, it's it, I'm not just talking physical fitness. I'm really talking if you go to a place like the Shiley Clinic up here at Scripps, there are people who uh, are helping. Older people, not just injured people, use their muscles, use their bodies in ways that contribute uh, to longevity. The whole area of clinical research, of blood testing, monitoring people's health, as I was saying to you, personalized medicine, web-based medicine, there are going to be all kinds of careers in that area. Home health care, the uh, visiting nurses, Setting up a business, if you are an entrepreneur, you might want to organize a home health care service where you uh, bring together uh, groups of nurses and therapists and others who um, are qualified and you certify them and then you market those services to families who need help uh, with an aging parent either with Medicare or for private. You learn how to do Medicare billing. You learn how to do private building. You knew how, You learn how to create a business. And literally, you can be the owner of a home health care uh, business. But even in areas like marketing and communications, hospitals and industries and drug companies need writers. They need communicators. They need animators. If you were interested in digital media arts, my niece uh, came out of film, worked for NBC, and now is a filmmaker animator for Kaiser Healthcare, helping to create educational programs and other programs that enable kids and families and older people to better understand how to take care of themselves. What I'm trying to really underscore is it's a very, very promising future for all of you, but it's a different kind of future than what your parents have. Big companies, because of globalization, shed jobs 
Qualcomm's not going to have any more jobs in America. The jobs they create are going to be in China, in Latin America, in Europe, because that's where their business is. But small growth companies start in a region, start in a country, and are great opportunities uh, for job growth. And mastering technology, having language and cultural skills, uh, having uh, 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 the self-confidence, the, the skin the, to take risks, uh, to build teams, uh, to try something new will serve you very well. One of the things that's happening today, which again was less true in my generation, your parents' generation, is the growing wage gap, the growing earnings gap between people who go to college and people who don't. And it's a huge issue. I mean, if you're a professional athlete, if you're Steve Jobs or Bill Gates and you're a gifted programming person, Drop out of college. Don't worry about it. You'll start a company. You'll do just fine, right? But that's like one in 10 million. Most of us who are just comfortably above average, like all Swedes are, you know, have to know something, have to learn something, have to be able to do something. And so a college education can help you. But what we also know in terms of earnings and Robert Price and I are prime examples of that, liberal arts graduates end up doing really well, folks. Don't over-specialize too soon. If there's anything in what I've said to you that you take home, it's that things change all the time. The content of work changes. Who your markets are what your products are, what service you provide. If you're in the not-for-profit world, uh, communities turn over, right? Different waves of immigrants move into communities and you're doing social services, you have to change what you know. You have to constantly upgrade your specific skills, but your general skills will keep you going for life. And those skills are... The ability to be analytical, which means you got to do something with math. Uh, the ability to communicate, which starts with you got to be able to speak coherently and write coherently. The ability to be uh, culturally astute, which means you better know something about religion and history and politics and culture. And the ability to understand that technology changes faster than people do. And that's very scary. And a lot of what you can often do is to use technology to make people's lives better. But the wage gap is uh, significant. A college degree can help with social mobility and earnings capability. Okay.